The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! I like believe in following experts. Like I became an expert in this field. I'm going to do what other experts tell me to do in other fields. I don't have time to be an expert in every field. That's why experts exist, right? So my hairstylist tells me to use XYZ product. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to look it up because I trust her. That's the same thing with your skin. That's the same thing with your face. So for an injector, what I say is find someone that you trust so that that way they're giving you your treatment plan. You don't have to worry about, hey, what treatment should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Treating the face as a whole is actually the most effective way to like look more natural. And people get a little bit intimidated by that if you're not familiar with injectables because it feels like you're over-treating. Today on the show, we're sitting down with Jordan Harper. She is a board-certified nurse practitioner, a mother of four, a certified aesthetic nurse specialist, and the founder and CEO of Barefaced. You have probably seen Barefaced on Instagram. They have grown very quickly and they have a very, very crazy, amazing community. Barefaced is a medical grade skincare line that Jordan started after treating a thousand patients. In this episode, we talk a lot about skin. We also talk about injecting. So what makes a good injector and what you should know before getting injectables. But we also dive into the business side because Jordan has built a massive business. So we discuss entrepreneurship, being solution-oriented, what to do when people underestimate you, and playing the long game in your career. She has some really great tips in this episode. Like I was taking notes about skincare. She's really, really well-versed in skin. She has such a cult following. And I just feel like this episode is jam-packed with value. And she's giving away, at the end of this episode, a $1,000 barefaced gift card. Okay? Very generous. On that note, let's welcome Jordan Harper, CEO of Barefaced, to the Him and Her show. This is the Skinny Confidential, Him and Her. All right. So this is kind of a plot twist because we are in studio with Jordan, who we actually went to dinner and drinks with last night and hung out with until one in the morning. I told you last night at dinner that I did not want to do that because I like to get somebody in the seat first. (laughs) Now I feel like we're out. It's 2 a.m. We're being debaucherous. My hand gets ripped open. (laughs) I can't hang. You know, now now at 10, you were like, it's time to go. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a straight, yeah. I mean, you have children. Yeah. I'm a straight, like, hey guys, the sun is almost down on the horizon. It's time to go to bed type of guy. So yeah. like me going past 10 is, you know, Because you're miracle. panicking, your whoop, your, your numbers. Yeah, my whoop is a yeah. disaster. We went out to dinner with Jordan and Ashley, her assistant. We went out with Helen of Blender Bombs, Naomi, who've both been on this podcast, Weston and Taylor and Mimi. <laughs> Craig and... And Craig, and we just went wild. <laughs> We ate so much food. We had so many drinks. So it's unbelievable that we're here in studio, 1145, drinking electrolyte water. And we're going to talk all things skin, entrepreneurship, mommyhood. You have four kids. (laughs) Twins. Four four and under. Four and under. Yeah. Okay. So let's go. Four kids, four and under. That is intense. Way, 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 way back when you're an injector. Talk to us about before you even started the business, when you met Helen and Naomi, you guys became friends. Tell us about that. 
So before I became an injector, like, so I'm a nurse practitioner and you have to go through like a series of, you know, you have to become a nurse first. You have to then work for a couple of years in an ICU to then apply. This is not, maybe not true now, but this was applicable before you could even apply to become a nurse practitioner. So I worked for like two years in the ICU, but knowing this whole time that I wanted to be a nurse injector, like I knew even before I became a nurse, like that's what I wanted to do. I remember seeing my mom get aesthetic treatments like Botox. And then I had some skin issues growing up. So I was always very interested in skin. And so then I became an injector, but well, also I have to ask you a question. Yes. I see you. What is that like? That is like my scariest thing in the world. What? Working in the ICU. That's a big oh, deal. Oh, ICU. Yeah. I worked with in the pediatric ICU and the neonatal ICU. So like baby ICU. Yeah. It's like I could never do that now having kids. Never. Too traumatic. What, how do you? It's too like, yeah, hit too deep. I was so young then. I was like 22. And I feel like, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's like you just do it. And then now looking back, I'm like that. Yeah, it's too traumatic. I mean, that is mm-hmm. like, that is one of the scariest jobs I could ever imagine, especially the specialty that you were in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did you know, you knew you wanted to get out of it? Well, I, I chose ICU because it just gives you like a very good experience level. You're treating like the most you know, seriously ill children, kids. So that's why I picked it. And it just gives you like a ton of good experience. And so it just makes you a better candidate. It's the hardest like job probably to have. It's really challenging. And that's why I picked it. And so that's... Does it yeah. give you perspective? Like when after you left I work? feel like it's the best thing now, like looking back when our kids have issues, we're both my husband and I are like very relaxed. Like it, we're not alarmists. And so it's really helped me just be more calm as a mom. Like if our kids get sick or I feel like we've seen the worst. I've seen the worst. And so when they're sick, I'm never just feel like more relaxed. How do you uh, just this is like a little <laughs> off tangent, but I just I, I can't believe this. Like, how do you deal with the parents of the kids? Honestly, like when you look, I don't know, you just do like empathy, really, you know, like and I think that's where listening to them, just like you guys do every day, like you're really like listening to them and trying to like put yourselves in that position. And I mean, yeah, because it's emotional. It's, it's something that's so out of control. And so just like being there, listening, and then, you know, making sure you're doing everything you can to help them. But yeah, I would say just empathy. Wow. I mean, I feel like Michael might need your <laughs> tips on how not to be an alarmist. Michael, Michael, <laughs> Michael, Mike, don't, Michael. Kids, tubs are toe, and I'm like, we're going to the ER. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Zaza, Zaza had a little fall in the kitchen once, and I thought I was... Well, you know, it's weird, too, because I have I mean, a boy and a girl now. And I know, like, now you've got to be careful talking about all these. But there's, you know, I feel there's differences. And, like, my little girl gets hurt. And I'm like, we're going to the ER. And my son, like, flops on his head. I'm like, hey, d- dust yourself off, yeah, buddy. Like, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're still a little alarmy. What's, like, a tip for him? to? What should he do? Should he count to 10? Should he give you breath? Should he go in the other room? Yeah, probably. Or I just think, like, yeah, give it some time. Because typically, like, 99, 90% of the time, like, your kids are fine. I'm not good like if Lauren gets hurt or my kids get hurt, then I may be an alarmist. And I know like I'm, I'm calm in a lot of other areas, but those yeah. areas I'm not good. But if, like something happens to myself, like there'll be a nail poking out of my head. I'm like, I'll be all right. Just like rub it off. You'll be yeah. fine. Michael told me that his dad is a pilot. And he told me that one of the things is when you're landing a plane or when uh, when you something, there's a concern with the plane. Yeah, exactly you wind your you watch. It, right? yeah. <laughs> what, what, what did he say? <laughs> he said that <laughs> he said that when something is going wrong, most people, they panic, right? And said like a, an experienced pilot will taught him one time you stop and like you wind your watch for it, just to like catch mm. your breath and think and like be clear because the worst thing you can do obviously in any situation is start to panic. Right? Yeah. So when Michael gets alarmed, I say, land the plane. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, wind your watch. Yeah. Land the plane. Yeah. 
I don't know. Well, I mean, especially as a parent, you're the one who's going to like kind of keep the keep control. So if you're not calm, I was dropping my little girl off at school the other day and she was in a new class and she like started crying and she was just like scared, you know, like, I don't want to be here. And I like kind of started to tear up and I was like, get together. Like, I can't be crying when I'm dropping my kid. Like that shows her like, why are you crying, mom? Like, are you scared? And so it's like when you're a parent, you have to like maintain that control and like you can't be losing it or else they're like, you're their security blanket. If you're losing it, then they're going to like unravel. And truly like kids feed off, feed off your, the energy. Right. And so like, if you're controlling the energy of your household, like some of that, you're just like constantly, I'm constantly like coaching myself, especially when my kids are like having tantrums. I'm like, okay, you can do this. Like you have to be the one that's, because otherwise you want to like, you get wound up too when they're like getting ramped up. No, no, it's the same thing. I mean, you run a company. I think like if if you're a leader in a business, the same thing. Like if you're, if the person at the top is panicking, then everyone else is going to be freaking out and panicking as well. Like makes a ton of sense to me. It's like if people look to whoever's in charge of whatever's, like if it's a household or a business and they're like, okay, they want to measure that person's temperament to see how everything's going. And if you're constantly panicked, everyone else is going to be in a panic. I say all the time to like our whole team, if I, if I'm like stressed out, then like, what are they going to feel like? Right. And I don't really ever feel stressed out because I truly believe like I can just, I can figure anything out. And so that's why I try to teach my kids. I try to teach my team that like, instead of like that panic mode, taking a, taking a beat to be like, okay, I can, I can figure this out. And I heard my little girl say this to me the other day. I was like getting something off and she was like, it's okay, mom, you can figure anything out. And I was like, yes. And then I said, and I said, yeah. And so can you, because that's like, that builds confidence. It's like, I can figure anything out and I will figure anything out. What a great thing. For Where do you think that comes from? I think my parents. And I think like giving, I think they did a really nice job of giving us like age appropriate, developmentally appropriate challenges. And so we had to struggle a little bit. Like think about when you're young, like five, I make my four-year-old do this. If we're ordering somewhere, like I want her to place the order, you know, if we're like at a restaurant. You know, like you can order what you want. Like if you want an orange juice, like you can say that instead of like, but that she didn't like it. You know, it's like, it's stressful for her. It's like a little bit uncomfortable, but it's age appropriate. Like she's at the age where she like gets it enough. She should be like looking adults in the eye. It's doing those little like things to help your kids get that self-confidence. And then over time, developmentally, then that way you're like walking them through that. So by the time they're 20, they're not afraid to call and order a pizza. I think it's a big thing that parents should be conscious of now is like you were so, you know, you have this device all the time. It's imp- it's important to teach individuals to look people in the eye when you're speaking to them and acknowledge people. Like it's, you're right. Like a lot of people just don't do it anymore. Yep. Right. And it's it's strange when I come across it because it, it feels like I want to say there's something wrong with the person, but it, it, you, it just feels like they're not connected. Yeah. You know? Yeah. OK. So at what point do you decide to leave the ICU? Oh, I knew all along. So my ICU was just my path, right? So like I kind of worked backwards. I knew I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. I knew I wanted to be an injector and treat skin from a cosmetic standpoint. Like I didn't want to do medical derm or anything like that. And so I just knew, okay, I have to put in, you know, two to two to five years in the ICU and it ended up being five years by the time like I worked through school and through my getting my master's. So then I start working at, oh, best part is, is that everyone wants to be an injector, right? So everyone wants to, everyone who's like, in as a nurse practitioner people they do really yes it's a really coveted job why why? because it's uh, a little bit more i mean think about working in a hospital versus working at like a luxury plastic surgeon or aesthetic office yeah you're treating a different type of clientele and i would say most of that clientele they care they're like wanting to go in it's like where you get an ipl you're like wanting to invest in yourself so your mindset's different it's not like oh i'm just waiting till i get sick or i'm waiting till i have a traumatic event like these people are going in they want to be better and so a lot of times like they're also wanting to be better in all aspects of life. So it's just a different, I'm not coming into you sick. 
also, I think you're you're helping them in a way become a better version or they feel of themselves. And so they're walking out with a skip in their step. Yeah. It's a lot of psychology, too, because you're like you're they're coming in and being really vulnerable yes. with like what, you know, anything that they're going through. And you're kind of educating them on like what's available or what you can do to help them. But yeah, it's a it's a vulnerable moment. So you like bond really quickly. Like that's why Helen and Naomi and I are friends because they you share a lot of vulnerable things. You're in there one-on-one with them and they just kind of like share their insecurities and then it's like a little bond. So how do you become an injector? What's the steps? Okay, you have to be so, so like I was saying, a lot of people want to do it. So after I was done, I could not find a job because they want, everyone wants three to five years experience, three to five years experience. And then it's kind of like costly to become an injector. So you have to go through different trainings. You know, it's like a couple thousand dollars. And I definitely didn't have that kind of money then. So I would do these like different trainings. I think like for my birthday and for like Christmas, I was like, all right, like for my parents, I'm like 23 at this time or no, 25, you know, like asking for an injecting class because these places don't want to pay. If you're getting a job, they don't want to pay to get it done. They want someone who has three to five years experience. You come in and start making money for them. So I started taking these classes. Maybe they don't want to train you up. They want, they yeah, just, because they, they know. Yeah, yeah, they want you to just walk into their practice and start like bringing in clientele. And so it's a series of like, and, and so then that that kind of like also is, you know, no one wants to take that extra step. I just figured out how to like go to these different classes and I would just reach out to injectors like, hey, can I shadow you one day? I, you know, and so anyways, all that to say is I end up taking three just like part-time jobs at like different med spas at the very beginning. Very resourceful resourceful. That's like key, right? Ended up taking three part-time jobs. And then over time, I just started like building clientele. And then from there, I started working. That I did that for probably two and a half years. And I was making less than like all other nurse practitioners at this point because I wasn't working like a full-time job. But but to me, it's like, it's the long game. It's, right. it's I don't care. Like this is, I know this is what I'm passionate about. So like, I'm willing to sacrifice up front to like get to what I want down a the road. A lot of people though, don't do that. They don't. They yeah. they don't want to play the long game. It's so interesting. And I think that it's really cool that you were able to see that. And then when you can play the long game, you trust the process. We, yeah. we just did a whole episode yesterday, just her and I, on five mistakes people make early in their career. And while we were talking on along these lines saying like, People don't want to, and they, they underestimate how much time you can invest early before you have children, before you have obligations, before you have a mortgage, before you have all these other things. And it's And they want this like picture perfect setup. Yep. And they don't realize like as soon as all the other stuff start, I mean, you know, as soon as you become a mom and, or dad and you get in a relationship, like you, you get torn in 18 different directions. Like you might as well, even if you make less, do all the nitty gritty things in the beginning and struggle a bit because you only have yourself to support at that point. Yeah. You know, well, I have my husband you know, cause he's in school. So I still, you know, but no, he was like, he was in school, like dental school. And then he's been doing the process to become like a, uh, oral and facial surgeon. But I and feel you like you guys were taking on that debt while he was doing that. Right. Yeah. So we were both kind of at one point we were both in school. And so this is something I applied to my business later on. But so again, we have no, we're students. Right. And I'm like working as a nurse, like becoming a nurse practitioner. And Cullen is, and he's wanting to apply to dental school. Well, he played division one football at Clemson. Like, so he was like football mentality, not school. You would never think seeing him in college that he would ever become a facial surgeon ever. Like he took a geology class, totally not into like science or whatever. And so then he has to take all these prerequisites after when he decides to become, to go to dental school. So then we got to figure out how to pay for that. So he got a scholarship for undergrad, and my parents and my grandmother helped pay for my undergrad. So at that point, we have no debt. 
But then when I wanted to go to grad school, my parents were like, yeah, you're married, you're done. Like, we're not helping you anymore. Valid, right? And then same thing with his parents. So then we had to figure out a way to pay for his like school. So that's when we like, I took out like five credit cards because we had no money and just put like 0% interest, put a couple thousand dollars on each one and paid for his like prerequisites. Then from there, we like, then he got into school and then dental school, I mean, it's, it's expensive. It's like $500,000. And so of like debt that you're building up. So, but I don't feel like, I feel like we're so young. It's not like we're 80 and we can never work. I'm not afraid about, I don't, we don't live in debt, but like school debt from that, it pays off because you're like investing in yourself. So when you took out the five credit cards, this is to pay for the school. This, yeah. And, and you're, are you paying for your school of, do, are you paying for your med school? Not the, the you're, you're at three different places you said, but you're not paying for that. That's not school, correct? You're working there. Oh, I'm working. Yeah, Three no, no. Places. Yes, that's me working. This is like after school. Okay, got Yeah, it. yeah, sorry. Confusing. But yeah, so this is like when I'm working at three different places, at this point, I'm done with my nurse practitioner. I'm like actually in practice. And then at that point, he's still in school. But I do like what you're saying as far as, you know, valuing like that time that you have. We always think that we don't have time, right? And the more, like the older we get, the less time we truly have because you build in more responsibilities. And I think that it's a, we're seeing people, and I'm sure this happens to you guys all the time. Like you only, you see people in the place that you want to be, the level of like success that you want to be at. And so like for my husband, for example, he'll be like 39 by the time he's done with his residency, everything like that. But when he comes out, he'll be very successful because he's like, but he'll put in 14 years, but people won't see that. Of course not. What I was saying is like, someone asked the other day, if we were to start this now, what we would do, like if we had to start right now. Yeah. What we and, and I said, I don't think we could do it now because at the time when we first started, we had no kids. We had a lot of flexibility and freedom to kind of go wherever we wanted, whenever we wanted. We were driving back and forth between multiple cities. We were lugging equipment all like there was just, you know, now I'll be like, okay, well, I got these two kids and yeah. I can't just take off for a week or two and I can't travel every like, and also maybe I wouldn't have the energy. It's not that I wouldn't have the drive. It's just we didn't have those obligations. And I was telling people yesterday on the show, it's like of course, you can make time and say you're going to have the time. But when I think back when we were single it was hustle. and we didn't have all these other obligations, we didn't have children relying on us and all these other people, like it was so easy for us to just be like, hey, we're going to drive here tomorrow or get on a plane to the next day. It's yep. like, you don't, you, we can't get that time back now. Yeah. It's too hard. There's yeah. two kids now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So at what point do you meet Helen and Naomi? Are you at one place by this point? Yeah, I'm at one place. So I'm working with like a plastic surgeon's office. And so they had really no injectable practice at the time. And I remember I was like, I know that I can like three extra business. And they thought it was like so funny that I said that. And I was like, no, I just know it because they didn't see the value. And there's nothing better to me. That's why I love being a woman, like than being under like underdog. I want to always be underestimated. Oh my God, please go off on a tangent on that. I (laughs) totally agree. I love it. It's my favorite thing when people underestimate me. Uh, It's the best. go, Go off. Well, no, I just feel like it's like, then there's the expectation. I feel like men these days, like you guys have it worse in the sense of like the yes, expectations. We're, we're very oppressed. Yeah. You it's know, true. I feel really it's bad true. for you guys, it's true. <laughs> but there's nothing better to talk about it. <laughs> there's nothing better than being an underdog because you can just be free under the radar. Like as the bigger you get, the more like, you know, pressure obviously that you have. But anyways, I remember saying that to him and, and that's ex- exactly what I did. It's like a crocodile. Right. A crocodile, you yeah. can only see their eyes in the in the water and you think they're like just looking at you and mm-hmm. then they open their mouth. That's my favorite yeah. thing. But, no, you're right, though, that in a way I get what you're saying. Like there is maybe not again, I'm joking about men being impressed. There's not the same kind of pressure because maybe 
at least in this situation you're in, the expectation was like, okay, like, let's see what you can actually do. Where if a, a, maybe a guy comes in there and says you can 3X, like there's a lot more maybe implied pressure on that person. Where for you, it was like, holy shit, she actually just did this. And yeah. it's, a, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So at that point, okay, so I'm in the office and I'm treating patients. And this was like, and like I was telling you last night, like, I don't really feel like I'm that creative of a person, but you actually called out, like, it's a different type of creative. I just don't think of myself as like, Ashley helped design all these all this pack, like beautiful packaging. Like that's not me, you know, like, but I feel like I can hear someone's like issues and like hear their problems. And I think that's why I loved treating patients in office. And it gave me the idea for barefaced because when I see and listen to people, like I can create a solution to the problem, but I'm not going to sit there and like create something out of nothing. Like they're giving me that kind of, I'm just listening. And then I can be resourceful and figure out how to help like how to be of service. But you need that. You need that. Why it's so interesting to me, though, what you've done is because you were a practitioner of it, but you also were simultaneously subconsciously collecting data. Yes. Not even knowing what you were going to do with it, but you were collecting it as you would see all these people. And so you were really in the trenches, like seeing what what is wrong. So many people launch skincare brands, but they're not around the actual people to see the actual issue. Yeah. So it's very interesting that you were able to see all these different people and be like, okay, this is something I see across the board. This is a problem. And it looks like you solved it. So I want I want to know, though, before we get into yeah. barefaced, I want to talk about injecting. Okay. So what makes a good injector? I love this question. And this is a question I get like asked all the time because Mimi asked me last night because she was like, what do, you, what, what do you think I should do? Like what treatments? What you need to do is before you think about what treatments you need to do, this is applicable to anyone who wants to get injections. You need to find an injector. It doesn't have to, it can be a, a doctor, a nurse practitioner, a PA, a nurse that has like the same values. You can look at them and tell like the same values of like, what are you wanting your face to look like? Your face is what you're presenting into the world. Like it matters. And I think. So if someone's so overfilled and you don't want that look, like let's not go to them. Exactly. And so the the biggest thing, like you don't, I, I like believe in following experts. Like I became an expert in this field. I'm going to do what other experts tell me to do in other fields. I don't have time to be an expert in every field. That's why experts exist, right? So if my hairstylist tells me to use XYZ product. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not even going to look it up because I trust her. Right. And like that's people kind of like, that's the same thing with your skin. That's the same thing with your face. So for an injector, what I say is find someone that you trust so that that way they're giving you your treatment plan. You don't have to worry about, hey, what treatment should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Don't worry. Just like ask them and they should be able to assess your face as a whole. So that means like, like when we were talking about getting different injectable treatments, you shouldn't be just treating the upper third of your face. Your whole face is aging. So that's a little like it's a miss if you're only treating like one section. Treating the face as a whole is actually the most effective way to like look more natural. And people get a little bit intimidated by that if you're not familiar with injectables because it feels like you're over treating. So I just had some inject- injections done about it like a month ago. And People are like panicking because I just post about the whole thing. I'm, it's not embarrassing to me. I'm. I just. I don't do, think it's embarrassing no, either. But and it's like, a. It's a personal choice, and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. to do and it. I sure. think where it becomes an issue is when people lie, blatantly. Right. And they're like, "I've never touched my face," and it's like, that doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to me, what makes a good injector is like treating the face as a whole. Like the face is aging, and having that perspective where. So many people, the first thing they're going to do is get lip fillers. Well, that's a miss because what's happening is for most people, unless you're like 25, you are having volume loss around like your uh, bony promise. Yes. Temples are something that people never think of. It is so life-giving. I just had my temples on and I'm like, I'm back. 
I am back. Yeah, it's such a subtle thing, yeah. but it does. It, I, it's so funny because I look at my daughter and I'm always like, her face is obviously youthful. She's three mm-hmm. and her temples are so full. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is a good place to get filled as you age. Yeah. Michael, let me see your temples. Maybe he's a little filler. Yeah. Now. Maybe like right up. Yeah. 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 I'm falling Because also it here. lifts the eyebrow mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. it lifts the face up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you I know, also think it brings the eye You can't look at me up. right now after keeping me up till 2 a.m., all right? <laughs> Feeding me all sorts of ranch waters and now you're judging my face. Might have been 3 a.m. in our room. <laughs> 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 Might have been 2.07 in our room. <laughs> 2.03. <laughs> Whatever it was. Okay, so the temples... A for effort. <laughs> a for effort. The temples is... It's such a missed area because what's happening is so if you go into an injector and you're telling them what you want and they do it, I wouldn't go to them. Like, I think it's important to share as a patient. I'm coming in as a patient and I'm saying, hey, I want to get my lips done. There's like, okay, I'll do that. No, that's not a good injector. A good injector is like listens. You're empathetic. You hear like what they're saying, but you don't do what they're saying. That, That would be like going in and saying going into the doctor and saying like, I have high blood pressure. This is the medication. This is the dose I want. This huh. is what you're going to give me. You don't do that. You go in, you allow them to do an assessment for on you, and then they provide your treatment plan. Somewhere along the line, skincare and like the aesthetic industry has become like where the it's patient directed. And that's that's just like a miss. Like our face, our skin is an organ. Like why are why are we treating, why are we treating like we as in like the lay people, why are the lay people treating their skin? themselves. Like that's why experts exist so that you can have guidance in your skin. That's why they exist so that you can have guidance with your injectables. So it's such a miss to go in and like, oh, hey, I want to get my lips done. No, then you don't. If they say yes without doing anything else, like that's not someone who's a good injector. They're just trying to fill their schedule. Yeah. Most of the people we, and we've had a lot of people on the show, whether it's doctors or beauty experts or injectors. And, and most of the people that have had success in, in this career, like you go and see these people and, and it's, they won't let you do that. They, yeah. It's like, they will tell you, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. Or no, I won't do that. Or, or like, before we do it, you got to think of like your face. Like we do this with skincare too. Like the philosophies are pretty much the same. Like it's a foundation. You're building a house, right? If you skip a foundation, what's your house? Same thing with your skincare. You're building a foundation. If you do not have the foundational products in your skincare routine, your skin's not going to be healthy. So you can be there sitting, like trying to treat all your skin concerns. But if you're not like, it's like saying, oh, I'm not going to brush my teeth every day, but I'm just going to go to the dentist once every six months. Like the foundational products to your skincare routine are going to make your skin healthy. So then when you try to treat your concerns on top of that, you're actually going to see results. And I think that's such a miss because it's people are told like, oh, use this one product for this. Well, it's like, how is that going to work if you don't have healthy skin? You're, you have to have healthy skin. Like, how are you going to get in shape if your body's not healthy? It all goes hand in hand. It's almost like going to the gym for your skin. Yeah. I think of skincare as like a workout for your skin so or like multivitamins for your how skin. How do you become one of the biggest injectors where you were? Because everyone who I've talked to about you has said that you were <laughs> like an all-star injector. I think not. I just natural natural results. Natural results. Uh, and I think what I do, I I love educating a lot. And so I love sitting because I feel like for me, if I can understand knowledge is power. If I can understand something, then I can make a decision. Like, is this the right fit for me, or is this not? So I feel like I'm never trying to sell anyone anything. Everyone should just make their own decisions. Get what you want to get. Like I feel like I love education because I feel like it brings life, and then that way they can decide okay, th- this is the treatment plan or this is the skincare that I think X, Y, and Z and I can back it up. I'm not sitting here like making stuff up and then they can decide, hey, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I don't want to do. 
I think, though, that uh, uh, everyone behind your back to say how good you are is a rare thing. I mean, but you like, was, do you get like, a, I get like obsessed. Like, I can't have something not be my person. You know, when you're like into something, I'm like all in. So it's like, this is my personality now. <laughs> and so I like when I became an injector, like I took every single injecting course on it. I just kept like perfecting the practice and it's never perfect and you're always learning. But I think being obsessed with your craft is going to make you a better injector. So you said Helen was someone who was the catalyst in you launching your own product. And I know you launched with $5,000. So tell us that story. Okay. So, yeah. So Helen was like one, the one who encouraged me, who was just like, just do it. Why aren't you doing this? Because I kept telling her these ideas. But when I, so working as an injector for, now I've been in the industry for over a decade, but I was just listening. I spent like basically the first three years just listening to patients. And that's where I started to see the need for, okay, people are so confused about what to use on their skin. And it wasn't because they weren't willing to invest in their skin. It's just because they didn't know what to use. So people were coming in, spending thousands of dollars on in-office treatments, but they had no solid skincare routine. Right. So it's like, you're not going to have, that's not going to play out. Like, again, it's like, that's like not brushing your teeth every day, but going to the dentist and expecting to not have like a bunch of cavities. Like you have to do your daily skincare. That's just like the foundation of healthy skin and then adding in, you know, office treatments or whatever on top of that. So I started to see that need and I just started posting it on Instagram and I started posting just like questions and, uh, or answers and education on skincare. And I really did that just to build my clientele because I was just showing before and afters and educating on skincare. And so then from there, again, just like listening, I spent probably five years just listening to my community, hearing their problems, questions, concerns. So by the time I even launched a product. I knew it was going to be successful because it wasn't my idea. It was just me listening, not only in office. I treated thousands of patients in office, listened to thousands of people online, hearing their like concerns and questions with skincare. So I was like, no, I can just fix this, create a simplified routine that's results driven, medical grade and solve this problem. So I didn't even feel like, so I went back to the, had no money. I went back to the credit card strategy. I didn't even think like investors, like that. I don't even know how to like approach that. And well, so- I think it's important for you to talk about because there's a lot of people that listen to this show that have an idea for business and they think, I, I just did this article and it's like people think they need so much money to yes. launch something and then they like, oh, I don't have that. So I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. So I took out a couple credit cards. By this point, I've already paid off all my other credit cards. Definitely don't want to have a bunch of credit card debt, took out credit cards. And that, that way I was able to pay for like talking to our chemist, getting our like first kind of like order locked in. But I still, that wasn't enough to like place the first order. So I just, I just, I just did pre-orders. What do you mean? So you, you went on your website and you said, I don't have this product, but I'm going to do pre-order. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So your audience came together and pre-ordered it. It was mind-blowing actually because I so at this point I've already been I've been giving 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 to my community for Instagram community and like in office but really I started selling on Instagram so I just had a blog and I just would put blog posts out there education on skincare and I just was going to sell my products in office but then I had so many people online being like wait I want to I think I want to get those products I never the crazy thing is I never like I don't know anything. I didn't know anything about business and I never intended to really start a business. I just was like thinking, oh, this can be a solution to like what I'm seeing in office. I can offer these like small curated products. And then, but then it was like, became so much bigger. And I just kept seeing the opportunity and like leaning in. So when you do the pre-order, how many pre-orders did you get? Like, was it crazy the amount? 
it wasn't like now when I think about our order volume at the time. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like maybe a couple thousand or something. I mean, that's impressive to do yeah. a pre-order button. Well, and my husband, and I packaged all this in our we were living in like in an apartment. We packaged all this in our garage and it probably took two months. We had no clue what we we're doing. You know, it's just such a joke, like thinking back or just like funny. That's, thinking how good, back. that's how great things start. Right. Like, I, I think that's where people get overwhelmed is they look at where you are now. Right. And they go, okay, that's how I build a business. I got to start there. But they don't take into account you being in an apartment, packaging things with your husband, having little money, using credit cards and using pre-orders to fulfill those orders. Right. And there's a lot, not to say it's easy, but, but, but it's doable. It's doable. Yes. My story's not that cool. That's why I was like, guys, set your expectations low. Like, but it's like, cool, but it just is like a true tale of like, just be consistent, be like consistent and see up. Like if you can see opportunities you don't have to have a lot of money. I definitely didn't. And but be resourceful. Most so, people though, they're just they're they're too afraid to put themselves out there and put and and actually like take the leap. Yeah. Like I would say 90% of the feedback that we get when we talk about it is like people have good ideas, okay? And they have these communities, okay, but so many people just are not willing to take the leap. Like they did, they give themselves 18 reasons why they can't, as opposed to just going. Yeah. I was talking to my dad the other day and he was talking about working with lawyers and even like a lot of lawyers, like he said, a guy on the street could tell me why I can't do it. I want you to tell me why I can, right? There's like, there's so many people that are just, they're unwilling to just say like, okay, go for it. Mm-hmm. They just sit there and they go, I can't do this. I don't have this resource. I don't have this money. Nobody helped me. Nobody taught me. Yeah. I got to read another book. It's like, just go. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. So at what point do you realize that this can be a massive booming business that makes millions of dollars? <laughs> okay. So we launched, did our pre-order and that was like the beginning of 2020. So January, 2020 world's normal. Perfect timing. Uh, tr- truly. Yeah. Like it, it truly is. And there's so many things that are like, yes, timing is important. Yes, like resourcefulness, you know, it all builds up. So that's why it's like whenever I feel like someone asks me for, you know, I want to build a business one day or I want to do this one day. If you don't know what to do, the best thing you can do is just keep working on yourself. And so I feel like with that, I didn't know really what to do, but I just kept like perfecting, you know, what the business was, what we were doing. And so with the pre-order strategy, got those orders out. And then I just had it like password protected because at this point I don't have enough inventory to really like support what's going on. And it wasn't until probably two months later that we were selling out like all the time that people were getting upset. They couldn't because once you start on a skincare routine, you got to keep it up. You know, it's like working out. If you stop, eh, you're not going to look, you know, it's like so it's not like buying a shirt and you sell out and that's a good thing. It's a little bit stressful when and you sell out. What From what's sitting on the table, what were the products that they were upset about? Toning pads and toning pads too. Because they couldn't keep, because they couldn't get them for we a period We could of time. not keep them in stock for the entire first year. And so we just had them on pre-order only. And people like, and I remember someone telling me this a year later. They were like, that was such a smart marketing strategy to sell those products out. And I was like, I, you know what? I'm not that smart. Like I didn't mean for that to happen. And actually it was really stressful because once they started using them, then they're, they're upset that they can't get them anymore or whatever. But it, it did end up making the products, I mean, I think last year alone, we sold like 200,000 of them. Like we, they definitely like, it definitely yielded down the road when people could be consistent, but it was really stressful at the time. Why do you think that these sort of went viral? Like because people really saw results? Like what, Uh, what is that magic unicorn? Okay. Two things. I think that the products are, I think that they're amazing. And I think that with skincare, a lot of products, skincare is not instant overnight results. And if you ever hear that, obviously that's, a reason not to buy. I think toning pads out of all the products are going to give you quicker results. Now, when I say quicker, maybe 
one or two weeks. And so I think you start seeing those results quicker because they're like a gentle exfoliation of those dead skin cells. They're allowing your products to penetrate deeper into the skin. So you're also like getting better results from the products that you're applying on top. Lauren, right now, I want everyone to know she's applying these to her full body oh, <laughs> as we're talking. Oh, no, no, no. She's putting them I, all in her arms I, right when now. When I get a facial, I tell <laughs> my facialist, can we do my arms? I'm not joking. She's I, full body toning My pad. thing is like, we're just going to do our face. Like, let's. Right. Let's yeah. do it all. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying it on my arms because I have makeup on yeah, my face. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I also, this is really weird, like to see how things like this lay on my hands and my arms. Yeah. Because I do like to bring my skincare to my arms because yeah. I don't want liver spots all over my hands. Why you <laughs> I don't have liver spots, God damn it. it Maybe in your future, if you don't start doing stuff to your hands, I'm going to call uh -huh. you liver spots for short. <laughs> so, so these, the reason that these went, did so well is because they were delivering results in a mm -hmm. short period of time. Mm -hmm. And people don't want to wait. People so, yeah. And I think, I also think too, like going back to education, I feel like what, what Bareface as a brand and what I've always really wanted to focus on is just like ethical marketing. Like these are, this is not a miracle. Nothing is right. It's just time and consistency and then using those foundational products. And I think that's where I saw a miss in the industry because all you, for the most part, what I was saying was just products being advertised to you all the time, product, product, product. But it wasn't like, why, why do I need to use this? Like, it's just giving that one like concern instead of saying like, this is how you develop healthy skin. This is why you do this. And so when, when you add these, we have a bundle we call, it's like the core four or the bare necessities. And it's the four foundational products. So toning pads, vitamin C, our retinoid, and SPF. These are the foundational products for healthy skin. Every skin type should be using them. Doesn't matter. Like, you know, the only reason you would have a variation if you're pregnant, you could use a retinoid alternative, sure. But this is going to give you healthy skin. And then on top of that, then you add your products. And then you're actually going to see long-term skin health because we're, we're about the long game. We want to look like our skin to look healthy from years, for years to come. What are people missing from their skincare routine that you think is a real secret that has huge results? I think the core, these core four products. I think like if you're not using those, if you're not, well, first of all, if you're not wearing daily sunscreen, you know, then you might as well not buy any other skincare because it's not worth your investment. Your, the UV damage alone is just like breaking down DNA, damaging your collagen. So all of your other skincare is null and void, essentially, if you're not wearing sunscreen. Now for, I would say like, the key is not one secret product. It's getting this core four. It's like, that would be like saying what one, like, what if you just only did bicep curls? Do you think like you would have toned legs? Right. You know, like you have to, your skin is an organ. You have to like treat it. It's a workout for your skin. So use these four different products to actually like, establish a healthy skincare routine and healthy skin. How will you expand with what you're doing with, with the four products? Like what's your plan as an entrepreneur to expand the business? So I would say like the biggest thing. So we have right now we have about eight products, I think. And I always want to keep our line lean because our message is simplicity. Right. That's, and, why, that's why I'm I'm curious about that, because I can tell that you keep it lean. A lot yeah. of some people are trying to sell you every single different thing for every single different facet. But yep. it, you do have a lean business. Yep. And that's like one of the reasons why we don't have an eye cream. Like I only want to bring products. The, the industry itself is confusing, right? The skincare industry is best. And I only want to bring products into the industry that are either I can say, okay, this is best in class or this is innovative. And so we have, we had an eye cream like that I had formulated. This is probably, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I mean, we had gone through everything, picked out packaging. And then I just, I rely on my gut. Like we did some testing on it. It just wasn't impressive enough. And so I was just like, we're not launching that. 
Like that's not a good representation of our brand. And that was that's a hard thing. Like, you know, obviously you invest, we were saying last night, you invest a lot of like time, energy, like money, resources in these formulations and these products. And but again, you have to stay true to your brand. And I know like if I am giving something out into the world, I have to I have to sleep at night, right? I have to make sure that this is going to be something I can say, this is best in class. Otherwise, like, I don't want to waste people's money. I think of this as like an investment in your skin. And to me, like, it's just a, another way of like taking care of you as a whole. And so like, you don't want to be just sold products just to have products. Also, the whole manufacturing thing is such a nightmare. It's finding a manufacturer is like finding a husband. I mean, yeah, and you have to micromanage everything. Otherwise, they want to give you a product that's, and this is why I love these more like independent, I guess, brands or startup brands because I'm all over it. Like, I'm all over every aspect of the formulation. And we don't just, yes, we're getting a lot of other people to test and trial our products, but also, like, the details matter. Devil's in the details. And so they want to send out something. Like, if you're not all over your manufacturers, if you're not all over your, like, formulators, they can easily, like, give you something that doesn't meet the standard that you want it to meet. If someone's listening and they want to launch a business, do you have any tips for navigating self-doubt? There's a lot of self-doubt when it comes to doing something. People get overwhelmed. What would your advice be? I mean, you're you're going to always have some self-doubt. I would say like that's where for me, like leaning into, I didn't make this, I didn't create this business because I thought it was a good idea. And I truly listened like to what people were asking me the most and what the problem was. So by the time, I would say if you're wanting to start a business, first of all, what is the question that people are asking you the most? Because I bet if one person's asking you this, there's potentially thousands of people that you can share with on the internet that are also interested in what you have to share. And then at that point, you can see a problem, create a solution. So like that eliminates a lot of self-doubt. Like I didn't think, huh, I think these toning pads might work. Like, no, I had thousands of patients, thousands of people online kind of like feeding me information, asking me, you know, how they could treat certain issues and not seeing that in the industry. And so I was like, no, I'm just going to bring this to the industry. So I feel like if you know you're meeting a need, there's a way to, I mean, you're still putting yourself out there, but at least you know you're providing a solution to a problem. I don't think the self-doubt ever goes away. Yeah. Like even like every stage of business we've been in, there's always like a little bit of that. If you don't have that, then maybe you're a little bit delusional, right? Like there's always a little bit of like, like if somebody came to me, they're like, I am the greatest of all time and I never worry about yeah, anything. I tell you like, every day about myself. Yes, well, <laughs> that's what I said, a little bit delusional. <laughs> every day I tell, I'm like, you are so lucky to be married to me. But, but, but I think that's what I'm you trying to say. You would be so bored if you weren't married to me. But that, that's true. <laughs> but I think that's what I'm trying to say is like, there's no, there's never going to be a stage, at least I haven't found in any career, any venture where you're not having a little bit of doubt. Yeah. And so like, I think people think, oh, those people are just like golden and they don't ever worry about anything. It's like, no, you're always going to have that. You just have to figure a way to push past it. Yeah. I am dying to talk about how you manage running a business, doing all these things. You're out in LA right now with four children. <laughs> Like under four. And also the way that you approach it to me seems very effortless. It doesn't feel like you're like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Like it feels, it feels effortless. And I think four under four is you have twins. <laughs> I mean, talk to us about that. What's what's the unlock? Do you have them on a schedule? How do you manage their time? Like, how do you balance all that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing when my oldest was born, I, you know, you're like, as a mom, you're like, or female, I, you're always just trying to do it all. And I remember like having to take a step back because at this point, like the business is just kind of like getting going. And I'm a new mom. 
like trying to figure out. And I had been a you know in office, so I'd, my schedule was pretty much like eight to five every day. But then when you become an entrepreneur and you're like working for yourself, you're working all the time, right? And you have to really get control of your schedule. And so I really, first of all, I wrote out what are all the things that only I can do, and what are the other things I could potentially outsource in my smart life in my so for me like that's quality time quality time with my kids is like the most important I don't obsess over cleaning my house because I want to spend time with them and so I really try to be intentional and I do this with business too like time blocking to me is life-giving because otherwise you could be thinking about work all the time I block out almost every like you know hour of my day so it's like time with kids this is time to work, time to check social media, time to, so there's all these different spaces in my day that that way I'm able to like manage and be present because like present, being mindful and being present, that's like the goal, right? I mean, we want to make sure we're in the life that we're in and not so like distracted. And so, especially with my kids, like they're growing and changing so fast. Like I want to be there with them. And so I try to really think about, I think I have a, I think I have a pretty good perspective on like what's the most important. And I feel like we're at a time in our lives with my husband and I, like we can't do it all. So what we've chosen to do right now is like spend time with our family and spend time growing ourselves as far as like our jobs, businesses. And like, that's just the most realistic place that we're in. And so when we have off time, yeah, I'm here right now, but I'm not traveling. Like you were saying earlier, like I'm not traveling all the time. Like I'm really like really investing in my family and then like growing the business. I mean, and that sometimes can make friends mad. there's high maintenance friends that you have. You have a great excuse. So you have four under four. (laughs) But I mean, it sometimes can be hard to balance it all. You have to acknowledge the seasons that you're in sometimes. Sometimes it's not like you have to miss someone's birthday party or you have to miss someone's event on a Friday night because you only have so much energy. we, We were talking last night and I said what kids did for me personally was like before I had children, you kind of just like, you know, I was trying to be intentional with time, but you, you kind of have, you're like, oh, okay, if I miss this hour or whatever, I can like focus on this thing. You kind of bounce around. I think having kids, it created these kind of restrictions around my time, not in a bad way, where if I have an hour, I'm very focused in that hour. And like after we're done today, we're driving back to go be with our children, right? And so like when I'm up here, it's like boom, 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 boom. Yep. I'm going to get everything done. Where before, if I didn't have that obligation, not to say children aren't tough, but I would have been like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can miss this hour totally. or go over, kind of float around here. Now I have to be very focused and intentional with everything I'm doing. I try to look at everything as, is this worth being away from my kids? Is mm-hmm. this moving a needle? And if it's not, like, if it's not, it's a no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's how I think about, too, like, relationships, everything. Like, you have to go through that. We only have so much time. We talked about that book last night, The Almanac of Naval. Robert Robert Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. Like he puts that in such good perspective on like how to spend your time because time is the only thing we have. So I try to think of things and, you know, how it how we spend our money is like, okay, is this like a good spend of our time? It's not just so every and that's what kids do for you. I feel like they make you be more intentional with your time, which is amazing. I've been more productive since I've had kids than ever before. Yeah. And in a weird way, it gives you a greater reason beyond yourself to do something. I know that sounds strange. And I think until you have children, you can't maybe relate to that. But for me, you know, obviously Lauren and I are trying to support ourselves. But once you have children, like, okay, now I'm supporting a household and a legacy of children. You know, you, yeah. You, so it's just, it's a, di- it, I feel like it gives you a different kind of motivation. I'm really sense. into people's routines. But I've noticed that I ask people like morning and night routines mm-hmm. and I'm getting more interested. And Michael doesn't even know this in like a day in the life. Uh-huh. Like I want to know, like when you wake up, 
mm-hmm. when you're doing your skincare, you have four kids, when you're like, talk, talk us through a typical day. If it's like school year, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more lax in summer. But if it's like during the school year, typical day would be like, I'm trying to wake up at least 30 minutes to an hour before my kids to have like some me time, grounding oh, time. Great advice, if, but je- Jesus, it's, it's hard. hard. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. But what I ask myself in the morning when I don't want to get up, I'm like, what would a successful person do? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, successful person would get up. And I, I've, I like challenge. I don't know if you guys are like on the Enneagram at all, but I try to like, there's different phrases that I just tell myself all the time, like different things that I, that will like give me that motivation. I'm like, all right, what would a successful person do? Okay. They would get up and get going. Or I'll tell myself all the time. Like, if I don't think I can handle something like you can handle this, I can handle this. I can, you know, like just repeating these like smart. mantras. No, it's smart. When I found out I was having twins, I was after my complete breakdown, I just sat in my car for an hour and just repeated like, I can handle this. I can handle this. And, and then you I was like, handle it and then you go, you're just like, cause what's the other option? What, are you not going to handle it? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? So, okay. Day in life. I try to wake up before my kids. I try to do some type of like, you know, just whether it's like a meditation, any t- anything to like reading. What time prepping. are we talking? Oh my gosh, in a perfect world, I'm 5.30. But realistically, Oof. I'm I'm around a 6.15. Okay. Yeah. And my, the kids are like, you know, sometimes they're th- the older ones are like three and four. So sometimes they're like waking up and this is not realistic. But in a perfect world, this is what I'm doing. Waking up, having that like little me time. Then they're up around seven. We're doing full on kid morning time. I'm trying to hang out with them. They're just like the best at the beginning of the day. I don't know if you feel like that with your kids. I love spending the mornings with them. And so like I try if to not you start. you don't wake them up. D- d- he tries to wake up my daughter and she does not like it. She's a oh. grouch. You have to let her wake up naturally. <laughs> What is it? Nut doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> Go ahead. Do not wake her up. Um, and then I'm trying to. So again, all this is like time block. So I'm trying not to like do anything for work or like look at my phone or do anything like this until like 11, 30, 12. And then I'm going into my office. And at that point, I have all of my day pretty much blocked out, whether it's like I'm creating content, I'm in meetings. And so I'm probably working from somewhere from 11. Oh, I'm also trying to work out. Yesterday, Helen asked me, she was like, how do you have time to work out? And one of my 2023 resolutions was, I'm not going to say I don't have time for stuff anymore. I'm going to say, like, I just choose not to make the time, right? Like, we have time for the things that we want to do. And so I do, I don't work out every day, but I try to work out two to three times a week. So I try to fit that in sometimes, like, right after, you know, 11 to 12, go to work, 12 to 5. But the thing is, again, going back to having kids and, like, being intentional with time, like, I can cram in eight hours of work in four and a half hours. That's what you're I, focused. that is such an important thing to say. Ed Milet came on the show and said that he crams three days into one. Yeah. And he broke down how he crams three days into one. He will look at a calendar and take his, take three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and put it all on a Wednesday. So then mm. he has Tuesday to play golf with his son and maybe Thursday to work on his book. And it's, it actually does work if you do it right. Yeah. Well, people aren't really honest about how they actually use every hour of their day. Something I like have noticed time in transition when you're like in a car and you're like sitting there like, I'm just gonna stay for five minutes and look at my phone. No, like the tr- time and transition is so important to to be intentional about because it's a really easy way to waste a lot of time throughout the day. I mean, this is an exercise for everybody. And we just went through it here at Dear Media where we're like, we're auditing all of our practices and all the procedures and every way we did things. And Taylor, actually, to his credit, was a large part of this. We found hours and hours of efficiency mm. that we just weren't capitalizing on just by, you know, and, and listen, it's not to say people weren't working, but there was just a more effective and more efficient way to go about some of the practices we have. And I, I, again, it's like people just get into these day-to-day routines and they don't actually audit their time and see how much they can get back if they were just being a little bit more thoughtful about it. Yeah, that's the, that's the goal, right? To always so be you get home at five. And then are you cooking dinner? Are you winding down? What time are you guys in bed? Give us the whole day. 
So I'm getting home at five and then it's like you're starting your next day, right? <laughs> Essentially, like the kids are. So we try to spend the next like three hours with the kids and just we're all in. I'm not cooking dinner. That's something that I just I realize, you know, what I'm not good at this. And so that's something we either do like meal plans, whatever it is, like we get, you know, order out. Like we, we definitely are really intentional about like how we eat, but we definitely that's not something I try to do. I want to spend time with my kids. And I found myself getting so frustrated when I got home and had to like cook dinner and then no one eats it or whatever. Oh, no one eats it. It's that's just what, that's rage. What, no one eats it. Yeah. So it's not even worth or your time. Or he says this isn't salted enough. That's yeah. why it's, it's like, it's, no, or he'll it. be like, eh, I wouldn't have put mustard on this. Like, it's like, yeah. Or I would have just like cooked the, cooked the turkey all the way through and not give it poison me. And... I gave him salmonella a couple yeah. times, maybe yeah. some E. coli. <laughs> you know, scurvy. I gave him <laughs> scurvy. Yeah. I gave him scurvy. What are some wellnessy things that you do? Some wellness practices? Something that I've done for the past probably 15 years, always starting my day, warm lemon water. I just started adding salt in there. And that's something that's just like tried and true, con- consistent. I really try to, I don't know if this is like technically wellness, but I really think it's so important, the power of like self-talk. And so I really try to make sure as I'm just approaching every day that I'm approaching it with like the mindset of like, I can handle this or I can figure this out. And so I do a lot of things where throughout my day, just talking to myself. And to me, that's like wellness, you know, wellness for my brain, wellness for my well-being. <laughs> I think that's so smart. It's interesting because, and I don't know if this was the same for you, but when I started meditating, I started observing my thoughts. And you realize how out of control they are. Oh mm-hmm. my God. And I've, I do it all the time now because of meditation. I'll observe how I'm talking to myself. And when you start doing that, you're like, whoa. Yeah. If you like take a minute and observe the way your brain thinks, you can see why you're doing a certain thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like why you're doing a certain career, why you're with a certain person. It's all that self-talk that you hear the noise. Yeah. And giving yourself that like silent, silent space. It's Taylor. Have you ever observed how you think, how you thought? Really? Huh? That's really like Gandhi of you. Okay. So. And you've never thought to yourself, Hey, this is a problem. Huh? Interesting. Taylor's stories last night. I swear night to God, the first book I'm going to write is going to be all about self-awareness. And I'm going to give creative. my first copy to Taylor. <laughs> a creative. So your company is absolutely booming right now. What is booming. the one thing that you would recommend to our audience? And then I'll tell you what I think my one thing would be. Okay. You know, it's hard to say one thing because I go back to, I always feel like the, the missing link is like the four, the core four products to build like healthy skin. So it'd be like saying, drink water, but don't eat. It's like, you got to eat like for your body. If you're not drinking water and you're not eating healthy food. So if I just pick one product, I'm just telling you to do one thing. It's not going to leave your skin healthy, strong, whatever. So I would say the core four, which is our vitamin C, which is liquid gold, a retinoid, retinol skin therapy, toning pads, which is a gentle exfoliant and our SPF. Now, the toning you, pads are amazing. Yeah. And if you wanted to just start with one thing, start with the toning pads. They're we, we call them, I don't know if Ashley's going to be mad that I said this, but we call them the gateway drug. And like, you know, I can see why I yeah, can see why they're the, just the toning pads are they give that like they give that little moment and yeah. you're like, oh, I can see because they give you kind of like that glass skin. And even people like that have good like they don't have skin issues. You're going to see a result yeah. and your skin, you're going to notice like a nice glow is in your about, skin. I have stuff on. Is it bad if I put it on with stuff on? It's just going to like take so it off a little bit. Yeah, you could use a little glow. <laughs> If I'm going to recommend one thing, I'm going to definitely recommend the toning pads just because, like I said, I like how they lay on the skin. Your skin does look yeah, way look at the You know what's good is I got to go on camera after this. I guess yeah. I'm doing some TikTok promo for this. There you go. 
Mm. Dear media thing. But um, TikTok promo. <laughs> Yeah, tick, tick, it does look better. Tick, 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 I also, I'm going, I feel like, can you make body pads or can we use these on the body? Oh, you know too? what I love for the body? Glow peel pads. Okay. So if you have ask. like KP, keratosis, players, or rough skin, I use these on my body all the time. Also, if you have body odor, like under your arms there. So what I do is use the toning pads on your full face, neck, chest. You know, you're, you can use them on your arms. You can use them on your underarms. Like Helen this morning, all over. Like you use them all over. They're going to help with body odor. You might and be Michael's new best friend. You're going to love these pads. You know what's Guys weird though? Love these I, don't pads. I don't have body odor anymore after I got my implants out. Interesting. Yeah. Because they're right next to your uh, armpit. Mm-hmm. That's a different podcast for a different story. Yeah. I but smell delicious always. I'm smelling delicious lately. <laughs> As of late. I've had my moments. <laughs> okay. So. We're going to do a code skinny for 15% off. Go shop the pads and then let's do a giveaway. Can we give away the entire line to someone? Yes. Okay. Love that. All you guys have to do is follow Jordan Harper underscore NP and at barefaced. Perfect. I love this episode. I think that it's so inspiring what you've done. Helen and Naomi need to get out of bed. (laughs) We got to go wake them up and drag them to the pool. Yeah. And I just want to say we're all champions that we did this show today because we're on four hours of sleep. Yeah. And we crushed it. Yeah. I'm on three hours Total and pros. 54 minutes of sleep. <laughs> Total pros. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. A thousand dollars. Bareface is giving away a thousand dollar gift card. All you have to do is tell us your favorite takeaway from this episode on my latest post at Lauren Bostic, and then follow at Jordan Harper and at Bareface on Instagram. Super easy to enter, and I mean, a thousand dollars is so generous. Hope you love this episode and we'll see you next time.